Amen and amen and amen. Once again, such a blessing to be in the house of God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I recognize we have a lot, a lot of things going on in the house of the Lord today, and uh, we just are so thankful uh, for his presence. You have your Bible today. Let's go to the book of uh, Matthew. I I struggle to know where to start today. Um, I felt the Lord's leading, and uh, this might not be a typical message that we would hear uh, during a, se- a service like this. I, I want to reiterate how honored I am. I see so many visitors and guests with us today. We are honored that you are worshiping with us today. We're glad that you're here, and we believe that God has a special touch and word for you today. Uh, I really believe that. You're not here by accident. Uh, I want to, before I get into the text, let me just remind you, or Pastor, Brother Jesse was mentioning earlier uh, that we have invitations to the Harvest Festival. What, what we found is that uh, folks will, will accept an invite. And so if you know somebody in your family or community, maybe they have young children or has a family unit and they don't really have anywhere to go and they're not quite sure about doing the whole trick-or-treating thing because, you know, the world's getting crazier and crazier by the day. Uh, this is a safe place. They can bring their kids here. You can bring your family here. There's going to be food, a bunch of games. I think I heard a train and petting zoo and who knows what, what all's going to be out there. And of course, there's going to be a lot of candy and fun. So be sure to invite someone out to that. Those flyers are in the lobby uh, today. And everyone said amen. Matthew 22, we're going to read a number of verses here, and, uh, and I, I, again, I recognize that um, this might be, uh, this service is taking uh, longer than we would normally have, and I'm going to do my best to not uh, keep you too long, but I do have a word for us today that I believe God is trying to communicate in this time and in this hour. Matthew 22, verse 1, we're going to read a few verses, this is a parable, uh, of the, one, a number of parables, but one parable of the kingdom, the banquet of the kingdom. Jesus says it, and Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatted, my fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and they, they joked about it. They said, they, they said oh, that's not a big deal, and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest, those that were left, seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. They abused them and killed them. Verse 7, but when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. I love the fact that he didn't put any parameters here on who is allowed to come to the wedding. He just said, as many people as you can find. See, that's the heartbeat of the gospel. There's no qualifications. There there are no uh, uh, prerequisites. Anybody is welcome to the party. As a matter of fact, one of the core values of this church is simply everybody is somebody. That's what this day really is all about, not just an appreciation of culture, but recognizing the fact that even though we are all 
different and come from different places. We are somebody to God. He said, go out. He said, as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, they, all whom they found, both bad and good. Aren't you glad that he accepts both bad and good? It's not about how good you've been or how bad you've been or what you've done in your life. The invitation is still for you today. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Can I tell you, this is the will of God, that the house might be full. That the wedding hall, as it were, that, that every person would respond to this invitation. I'm, I'm speaking to some folks today. God is sending out an invitation to you today. He wants you to respond. But here's the thing about an invite. <laughs> the thing about the invite is it's only good if you respond. It's only good if you decide to come. It's only good. It will only change you if you make up your mind, hey, I'm ready for a change. It's only good when you say yes to God. I said you got to say yes to God. God's reaching, God's calling, and our job, our responsibility is to say yes. But unfortunately, there was one, verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. He responded to the invitation, but there were some things he wasn't willing to do. So he said to him, verse 12, friend, notice he did call him friend. Because even when you are outside of the will of God, you're still inside of the love of God. Even when you don't always do things right, he still loves us. He says, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. In other words, he didn't have an argument. He didn't have an excuse. He, he knew what he was supposed to do, but he didn't do it. Then the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, that story went south quick, didn't it? We were just having fun at a party, and then all of a sudden, whoa, it's all gone. But there's an important lesson there that we need to know. This is what, as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like. Today, my subject for this morning is simply this, kingdom culture. Kingdom culture. Father, we need your presence here today. God, I pray that your word would break through the flesh, the, the mind, the thinking, our ideologies, our preconceived ideas of who you are and what you are and what our responsibility is. And I, I pray, God, that you would bring us to a place of change. Bring us to a place, God, where we will make a decision to say yes, to say yes to your will, yes to your way, yes to your word, yes to your call, yes to the change that you're trying to do in our lives. God, and we're going to give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said amen. God bless you today. Amen. Uh, there's uh, obviously today, you, you look around, we're celebrating culture. We're celebrating diversity. We're celebrating maybe even multiculturalism, the idea of multiple cultures gathering together. America really does uh, epitomize this truth. Culture is something that you might hear a lot about. <clears throat> Excuse me. You might hear uh, what makes up a culture. Uh, you go through, uh, if you look at a dictionary, they'll tell you that it's the arts. It's the human intellect. It's an organization or a collection 
of human achievements in a particular region, country, city, what have you. It's the customs, it's the social institutions, it's uh, a part of, of a nation or a people, and all these things are true, and uh, I think those are fine cultures, uh, definitions of culture. And in America, we have certain cultures, and some I like, some I don't really like. <laughs> There's some things I appreciate in, uh, as a part of our culture, some things I really don't appreciate as part of our culture. I'll give you, for instance, I, I, like the, I like how we celebrate fall. I just don't like how we celebrate Halloween. That's just my personal thing. I don't like the culture of death. I don't like that. I don't like the culture. I walked into a, a coffee shop, one of my favorite coffee shops, and I walk in uh, about two weeks ago, and something lunged at me. They had something at the side. I was like, ah! I was like, they're trying to scare you because it's Halloween. I don't like that. I turn around. There's this, like, demon-looking figure. Like, I don't like that part of our culture. I'm just going to be honest with you. But I do like fall. I do like pumpkin pie. don't really like pumpkin, pumpkin spice lattes. Sorry, I think they're gross. But I like pumpkin pie. I like going and picking out pumpkins with the kids and carving them up. And, and before you get, you know, offended by that, the pumpkin didn't do anything to you, okay? Don't get offended by the pumpkin. And, I, and so I like that part of our culture. But there's some parts of the culture I like, some I don't. I like the 4th of July in America. I like seeing the fireworks. I like lighting fireworks. I think it's fun. Uh, I like football. I like baseball. All these things that are a part of our American culture. When my wife and I got married, of course, there were things, as in every marriage, you have to get used to from, the, the, from your spouse that you're not used to because you come from two different cultures. And before you think, well, that's because, you know, there's different language. I don't know. It's if you marry anybody in the world, they're going to come from different culture. Because even in America, whether you live next door or not, speak the same language or not, we all have a different way of doing things. Even just at Thanksgiving, you have a different way of cooking in the turkey. If I go around the room, some will smoke the turkey, some will fry the turkey, most will bake the turkey. You know what I'm talking about. They have a different way of, and some don't do turkey at all, you know. Some do only ham for, for uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Some do steak. I've, I've seen people do steak for Thanksgiving. Amen. I don't think anything's wrong with that. And, uh, and that's okay. Everyone's got a different culture, and there's a different way of doing things. And in marriage, you have to kind of figure out this word that no one ever really likes to say, but we all recognize it's called compromise. Can you say that word? Compromise. Some of you had a hard time with it. Say it again. Compromise. Oh, yes, that's a part of it. In marriage, marriage is about compromise. And some things you have to get rid of, some things you, you're going to have to buy into. That's just the way it is because you're taking two lives and bringing them together. And when people have a hard time and they struggle in marriage, many, many times it always comes back to the fact they don't want to compromise. But a lot of this has to do with culture. A lot of this has to do with the way you think about things and what you're used to and how your family raised you and this type of thing. And that's not bad. But what's interesting to me and what I felt the Lord leading me to this morning was to unpack and really understand from God's perspective what culture is all about. Because here's a truth that you might not hear on the, on the news, you might not hear in school, you might not hear anywhere else, and, but I think the church should say things that are true, not just what's popular. Not every culture is good. 
Not every culture is good. There are some cultures that are toxic cultures. There are some cultures that are built on an evil ideology. There are some cultures that should be discarded and not embraced. Every culture has differences and not everybody thinks the same. And some people, they don't treasure things like life or purity or holiness. Some cultures are not good cultures. As a matter of fact, when we look in the Bible, we see this over and over again. Because culture is something that is through the eye of the person practicing the culture. It is through perception. If one thinks it is good, if one feels that it is good, well, that's all they need to make it a part of their activity. I'll give you, for instance, in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 6, when Eve viewed the tree, the fruit that was in the, on the tree, God told Adam, he said, you're not to eat of this tree. But when Eve looked at the tree, and by the way, she was not alone. Many scholars would argue that Adam was actually there with her. So it's not like she was off on her own. I believe that Adam was right there by her side, partaking in the fruit. That's why when she gave it to her husband, she didn't have to go down the road. He was right there. The Bible says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes and it was and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband uh, and he ate. This is a sign that they were only appeasing what was right in front of their eyes. It felt good. It was pleasant to look at. It was good for food. And even more, it would make her wise. So just do it. There are many uh, cultures today that appeal to the same base reality of our flesh and our desires. They'll say, if it feels good, it must be natural, then you should just go ahead and do it. But that is against the very nature of God and the very nature of what God's rule, his law was set out for his people. You see it again in the book of Romans. Chapter 1, verse 28, I could read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read a few verses because I recognize this is kind of cutting against the grain for some of us today. Verse 28 of Romans 1, the Bible says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, meaning that they knew he was God, they knew God exists, but they didn't want to think of him as God. They dismissed the very idea as God. Of God. They said, no, no, God's not real. God doesn't exist. They, they got the invitation, but they chose to reject it. So what God did was God gave them over to a debased mind. What does that mean? He gave them over to what was natural in their flesh and what they desired to do. He gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness. And he goes on, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Oh my. Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. These are all a part of a toxic culture. And it's a part of a culture that rejects the will of God 
in someone's life. When, when you turn against the will of God, when you choose your way, when you choose what you want, this is the, the direction, this is the path that it, you will naturally follow. And so when I say that not all cultures are, are, are good, it's because any culture that appeases one's flesh or any culture that doesn't have God at its center, it cannot be righteous. It cannot do ultimately what pleases God. We have this thing, and I, and I, hope, what you're, I hope you're hearing me today. If, someone, if you're hearing me, say amen right now. Uh, I'm feeling like there's some that you're not really uh, with me today, and that's okay because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to convince you this morning. We have this thing called the sinful flesh. That is to say, it's our humanity. I told the church on Thursday night, there's this idea that people think that we're all just naturally good people. That we just do what's, uh, we, we, we're really good, but we sometimes just choose the bad. Well, that's not true according to the word of God. What's actually true is that we are not good people and we have to work at doing the good thing. If you stay to yourself, in other words, if you don't try to change anything, if you don't try to do what's right, if you don't try to live righteous and live according to the word of God, if you don't try to do any of those things, you'll end up going down the wrong path. You'll always end up doing what's wrong because that's the bent, that's the direction of your flesh, of your mind, of your natural state. If you want change in your life, there's got to be something that, that happens. It's called repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is a conscious decision that you are going to change your life. That's repentance. If you just keep going, if you keep going with the flow and whatever comes natural to me, that's what I'm going to do. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. You are appeasing your flesh. You're doing what the flesh wants to do. But the word of God is clear that if we want salvation, if we want to please God, we must repent of our sins and turn away from all the unrighteous. Some of us here today, you can't understand why your life doesn't get better, why you keep losing, why you keep falling short. It's because you haven't made up your mind to make a change. See, there is power when you make up your mind. I'm going to live different. I'm going to think different. I'm going to act different. It's not just a mental, hear me, it's not just a mental ascent, but you're making a conscious decision that I'm going to turn things around. I'm not going to keep going down the same path, but I'm going to make a change. But why would you have to make a change if everything is right in your life? Because you know everything's not right in your life. You're sitting here today. You, there's something gnawing at you. There's something bugging you. That's why you accepted the invitation today to come. Because you know there's something there. You know there's more. And you want what's more. And what's more is found in the word of God. What's more is found in the culture of God. What's more is found in the man, Jesus Christ. Because he was more, he was more than just a man. He was more than just a Jew walking in Galilee, but he was more than all of that. He was God in the flesh. He was God who descended on, from his throne and came down to earth. He was not a second person of any Godhead, but he was the very God of the Old Testament revealed to us in the New Testament, and he came to save us. That's why John said in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And then John 1.14 says, the word became flesh 
and dwelt. The same word that was in the Old Testament, the same word that sat on the throne, the same word that was kept a mystery throughout the entirety of the Old Testament was revealed to us in the man, Christ Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was the son of God because he came from God, born of a virgin. He was a human being, totally human, fully human, just like you and I. But he wasn't just human. He was also totally and fully God. I'm telling you, this Jesus changes everything. Jesus is all what it's all about. And when you decide, when you decide, I'm going to buy into this Jesus. I'm going to believe in this Jesus. He will change your life. But it's a conscious decision that you have to make. It's not just going to happen to you. It doesn't matter how long you come to church. Church doesn't just happen to you. <laughs> you can come. You can show up. You can sit on the pew. You can, you can kind of clap your hands. and Oh, yeah, that was a good message. And, just, and leave. And you'll leave the same way. Because there has to be a decision. A decision that says, God, I am ready for a change. And there's some people, they, they take some time, you know. And I, as a pastor, I take all the time. You know, as, as long as you're breathing, there's still hope for you. I want you to keep coming back. So it's maybe taking some people some time to come on. That's all right. Keep coming because the fire is going to stay hot. And the longer you stay around the fire, the warmer you're going to get, the more you're going to know who this Jesus is. And some people, it takes some time to take that step toward God. And sometimes it takes, a, it takes time to take a step toward God because sometimes we're not ready to give up our lifestyle, not ready to really buy in. We're not really sure uh, about all this stuff. And we, don't, we, we feel like we have to have all the answers. We, we do our best to learn everything there's to learn. And I encourage that. Learn everything there is. Study everything you want to study. Ask any question that you want to ask. The church, we are not afraid to answer any question that you have. Why? Because we know this thing is real. We have tested it. We've tried it. We've been through the fire. You are around people right now that they've been to hell and back and they know that God is real. They know this thing changes their life. They have a testimony. They can tell you today that he is good. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that he is good. And you're amongst the people right now that have tasted and they can tell you, my God is good. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. He's been better than I deserve. That's my God. I said, that's my God. Praise God. I was talking to someone the other day. I told him, you could never change my mind about this thing. I believe in God more than I believe in anything else. That might sound weird to you. But I remember one time, Brother Robert, I remember one time I was having a crisis of faith. A number of years back. Coming out of high school and college. And I was in college and... I was praying one time. I said, God, I don't know. I was reading all these, you know, atheists and stuff like that. I was trying, you know, listening to all the debates and stuff. And I thought, well, maybe this thing isn't, you know, what I think it is. And I remember one time in prayer, it was like my eyes just got opened. And I remember thinking, sitting there like, that is the craziest thing I've ever thought about. Because here I am praying to God. And I can feel him. I can hear him. Brothers, I can literally. And I said, God, at this moment, right now, you are more real to me than everybody sitting around me right now. I'm telling you, I believe in God so much. I believe he, I believe in God so much uh, that I believe it's more real than what I'm seeing right now. That's how real it is for me. How can you say that? Because I've walked with him. 
I've talked with him. I've had conversations with him. It's been so real. I could hear his voice. That might sound weird to some, but I've heard his voice. I felt his presence. It's almost as if, it's almost as if this, this, the presence just falls in and you can just feel it. You say, how does it feel? I, I can't even really describe it to you. I can just tell you that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know. It's real. It's real. And you say, well, you got to prove it to me. All right. I could give evidence. I could give arguments. But the best thing I could ever do for you to prove that he's real is this thing called the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. If you want to know if God is real, I invite you to get the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, the Bible says uh, in the Bible, when they got the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, that everybody there, 120 people, some of you are rolling your eyes because you, uh, he's telling the story again. Well, I'm going to tell it again. Praise God. 120 people began to speak in other tongues. Well, what's the other tongues? It is another language. You see all these flags, a lot, of these, uh, a lot of these countries and cultures, they represent languages. The, the gift of tongues is just like that. It's almost as if it's another uh, kind of culture. But in God's culture, you, you can't find it on a map. But when you begin to pray, and in the book of Acts, they began to pray, and they began to speak in other tongues. How? As the Spirit gave them the utterance. And, and this is a language. It is a heavenly language that only God can give you. It's not one you learn at school. It's not one your parents taught you. It's not one that you can pick up in some country somewhere, but it's a language that comes from heaven. And the Bible says when they began to speak in other tongues, there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting, and they were all, all, all filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you right now, I can't show you something in my hand and say, look at this. But when you get the Holy Ghost, it changes everything. If you get the Holy Ghost, it changes your marriage. It will change your mind. It will change your heart. It will change your family. And if you don't believe me, I dare you to try it. I challenge you to try it. My God changes everything. I wonder if there's someone here today that can testify. When I got the Holy Ghost, it changed everything. Oh, hallelujah. I said it changes everything. And it's something that you reach for every single day. Paul, the apostle, he said it like this. He said, I speak in tongues. In other words, I use that. I, I pray in that language every single day. He said, I do it more than everybody else. How much confidence do you have to have that you pray in tongues more than anybody else to say, I do it more? That means he prayed every day. Every single day he was praying in that language. It was a, a part of him. It, it was constantly changing. And that's not the only time you pray in tongues. Let me, let me just tell you this. The Bible says that when you begin to pray in tongues, it's the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, making intercession, or in other words, praying for you. You ever been in a position where you needed someone to pray for you? You ever asked someone for prayer? Like, hey, I need you to pray for me. You ever been there before? When you pray in tongues, it's literally the Holy Spirit praying for you. That's what it is. 
It's just like Jesus. When, when Jesus tells Peter, he said, Peter, the devil wanted you to sift you as wheat. Huh. But Peter, don't worry because I have prayed for you. Oh, what kind of prayer does God pray over us? What kind of prayer does God impart onto us? What kind of prayer? I'm telling you, when the Spirit gets to working on your behalf, you say, what is, what's the Spirit doing? The Spirit is making intercession. What is intercession? Brother Wong, can you help me out for a second? Come on, stand up right here. Brother Jesse, come on, help me out right here. Stand on this side right here. You guys stand on this side? You got to understand, there is a war for your soul. Some of you nodded like, that was a good Baptist nod, you know. You know. It was like, okay. But there's, a, there's a war for your soul. There's an enemy trying to destroy you, trying to take you out. The Bible says that the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And there are times, we'll just say that uh, Brother Juan's the Christian. And Brother Jesse is not. No. <laughs> and it's the enemy. And the enemy takes on a lot of forms. Brother Jesse is a great guy, so I can do it. The enemy takes on a lot of forms. Hatred, bitterness. We read through it in Romans 11. And when you reject God, Brother Anthony, come here, help me out. When you reject God, Brother Anthony's going to be the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and face them. The Holy Spirit will kind of just step back. And he'll just let the enemy come on through. Come on through, Brother Jesse. Come on through. The Bible says he gave him over to a debased mind. Now, don't punch him or nothing like that, but he's with him. <laughs> he gave him over. In other words, he's going to let it, whatever you want. Why? Because he rejected God. But when you say, God, I need you, I need your help, I need your strength, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gets in between, makes intercession. He makes intercession. Between you, yeah, between you and whatever's trying to attack, that's what intercession means. It means to stand in the gap. It means to separate. It means to protect. So when you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, there's a spirit that fights on your behalf. It's no longer you fighting, but it's the Spirit of God fighting for you. You can be seated. Thank you. I'm here to tell you right now, some of us need to get a hold of this idea of the Holy Ghost praying for us, fighting for us. When you get that power, that's why Jesus said, you shall receive power. What's the power? It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the power not just to see miracles, but power to live righteous, a power to say no to sin. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now because some of you, when I said that, you thought it is impossible. It's impossible for me to live right. I can't change myself. You, you just thought to yourself, I'll never get rid of this addiction. I'll always be an alcoholic. I'll always be stuck in this mess. You don't believe that God can really change your life. Let me tell you something. You can't change anything. But with God, the Bible says, but with God, all things are possible. So God, it's not about my 
righteousness, but God, I need your righteousness. God, not by my will, but thy will. God, not by my strength, I need your strength. God, not by what I can do, but by what you can do. And when you begin to pray in the spirit and pray in the Holy Ghost, that spirit makes intercession and it gives you power to overcome every obstacle, to overcome every demon, to overcome every temptation, to overcome every negative thought or attitude or fault prophecy over your mind over your heart it gives you the ability to live righteous you ever look at someone and say man how do they live like that like, how do they do that how how do they always seem to say or do the right thing you ever you ever thought about that about people it's like you look at other people and you wish that you had what they had you, you wish you could do what they could do. I'm telling someone today that God is inviting you to a deeper level and to a higher place in him, to a different culture, into a culture of the Holy Ghost, into a culture that God is saying, hey, come up with me. Come to this place. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I've got a destiny for your life. And that calling, that destiny is found in the power of the Holy Ghost. I said it's found in the power of the Holy Ghost. Here's the issue, and I'm going to be closing in a few moments here. Here's the issue that we are facing with this idea of multiculturalism and diversity. It's because diversity and multiculturalism is not a good on its own. Diversity for diversity's sake is not a positive thing necessarily. In fact, without a unifying value or truth or principle, it's actually very destructive. Diversity without a unifying goal will only lend itself to anarchy and chaos. Why? Because you have people trying to vie for their own culture, what they think is right and what they want to do and what they think is best. You see, that's why when we get to heaven, heaven itself will be diverse. And I'm thankful that there will be multiple cultures in heaven. I'm thankful that it's not just one group of people from one area of the country that is allowed to be saved or one group of people from a particular country that's allowed to be saved. But he said, whoever you find on the road, go ahead and invite them to come in. I'm thankful for that. But heaven will be multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-racial even. But that's not what's going to make it special. What's going to make it special is that every person, every nation, every kindred, every tongue will be united under one banner, and that is Jesus Christ. You see, without the unity of a value, without the unity of a truth, without the unity of everyone believing the same thing, it is only chaos. And if you allow me to slow down for just a moment, I think you'll understand what I'm trying to say. If you take our culture, for instance, in America, in America, we have a, a, a great country, a diverse country, and 
folks coming from all over the world. It's the way it always was. We're a nation of immigrants, and, and people landed on these shores. My family, a part of my family came over through Ellis Island. My mom's here this morning. We can go uh, to Ellis Island today and find our, our I don't know, was it great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, something like that, uh, coming over through Ellis Island. Their name's there in the book. It's pretty cool. I want to do it one of these days. And uh, most of us have a similar history. Some uh, you, you have, and part of my family even, uh, came over on slave ships, and that wasn't a great part of our history. And, and it shows that there is a, a diversity in this culture. But over time, what ends up happening is that every person that comes, if they're going to stay in the country is going to survive, they have to unite under an idea. And that idea is that we are a nation that believes in freedom and that every person has value and they, they are, they have valuable, they're valuable in life. And the goal is to have liberty and, and justice for all. And, and if you don't buy into those values, then there's something wrong because a nation has to have unity in order to exist. And so if we only want diversity, if we only want multiculturalism without a unifying value, the end of that is chaos. Now, you might not agree with what I'm saying, but at least I think you're understanding what I'm saying. In America and across the world even right now, we're in a very uh, a difficult spot because what I've been seeing in our culture, and there's this uh, rise this uh, conversation happening whether or not multiculturalism is a good thing. And I don't think that's a, a really a good conversation to have, but I, but I understand where it's coming from. Because if there's no unifying goal, if we don't all believe that America is valuable or that the Declaration of Independence is valuable or that the Constitution is valid, all these things, then we will not last long as a nation. You say, oh, that's doom and gloom. No, that's reality. Because multiculturalism and diversity, if it's not unified under a value system, will only end in chaos. And see, this is why with God, he doesn't leave diversity and multiculturalism as its end on its own. And he doesn't really even leave it up to discussion. Although the gospel in this truth is for everybody, whosoever wills, whoever wants to come. The issue is that you can still only uh, arrive and find true peace, joy, hope, destiny through one person, Jesus Christ. What unifies the body of Christ is the very word of God manifested in the flesh. With God, there is no compromise like in marriage. There is no discussion. There is no, well, let's just talk about this thing and maybe we can make it better. No, Psalm 119, 89 said it like this. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Now, we, that's struggle for us because, first of all, we, we don't understand the, the, the idea of forever, <laughs> time. It's like, it kind of blows our mind. But then he goes on and he says, it's settled. In other, in other words, it's not up for debate. It's not up for discussion. It's not up uh, to, to sit around and have a conversation. And it's not, it's not up for any of those things. He said, forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven forever. There's no time where it will change. There's no expiration date. There's no point where it will, it will run out. It's not going to sunset. It's not going to have a moment where it's not valid forever, O oh Lord. Your word is settled 
in heaven. That means that if I am going to be a part of a church, if I'm going to be a part of this kingdom, if I'm going to be a part of what God is doing on earth, uh, I have to understand that it's through his word, it's through his will, it's through his way. I have to understand, just as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way, no other truth, no other life. We, we can appreciate our cultures and we can appreciate the diversity and where we all come from. But what unifies every one of us is we all believe in that one way. We all understand that there's no other way to get to heaven. There's no other way for us to be saved. There's no other name, as, as the Bible says, under heaven wherewith we must be saved. You say, oh man, that just sounds too exclusive. That sounds too... Well, see, that's the problem with Jesus, you know. I was, I was listening to someone the other day talking, and they were, they were talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I just believe he was a prophet. And I believe in the future he's going to come, and he was just a good man, he's going to be a prophet. The problem is that Jesus doesn't leave that for us. You, you can't believe that Jesus was just a prophet, and you can't believe that he was just a good man. Why? Because he claimed to be more than just a prophet. He claimed to be more than just a good man. So you can call him, this is what C.S. Lewis's argument was, you can call him crazy like he didn't know what he was talking about. He's off his rocker, you know, just a wild man in the streets. Or you can call him a crook and a, a thief. He was trying to deceive everybody. He was just a liar. He said, you can call him those things or you can believe what he said he was, but you can't just call him a good man. And this is where people are at today. They know he was real. They, they, they hear what he said and so they have a hard time denying, denying him. So they want to say, oh, he's just a good man. He was just a prophet. He was just another one that came. But the problem was that's not what he gave us. He, didn't, he won't let us do that. He, he doesn't let us just arrive at some in-between place. You have to either accept him or reject, reject him. Believe what he said as truth or dismiss it as nonsense. And that's the decision he gives to every single person here today. It's the same decision. What are you going to say about Jesus? What are you going to do about Jesus? And let me just present this to you one more time because I believe today there's an invitation that has gone out that God is calling, God is pulling. Some of you, you came at the behest of a friend or a neighbor, a relative, and, and so you're here in the house of God today. I'm gonna tell you, just as I've told people for many years at this point, you cannot make it to heaven without Jesus. You must know him. If you know him, he will change your life forever. If you reject him, if you reject him, you'll never find peace. You'll never find true hope. You'll never find real life. Sure, you'll find some life. Sure, you'll survive. Sure, you'll go on throughout your days. But my Bible says that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. I'm telling you today, God's got something more for you. More. Some of you think, well, I know, I know, Jesus. I've been to church. One church is like every other church. No, no, I'm telling you right now, God's got more for you. Have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you spoken with other tongues? Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, just like they did it in the Bible? 
I'm telling you, there's more for you today. And there's an invitation that has gone out. Just as Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a banquet. He said there were some that were invited, but they showed themselves unworthy to come. So I want you to go to the highways. Every person that you meet, I want you to invite them in. Today, God is giving you a personal invitation to come to the banquet, to come to the feast, to come to the party. Don't deny him. Don't reject him. You've tried everything else. You've you've tried listening to all the self-help audio tapes. You've tried reading the self-help books. You've tried even the drugs they told you would bring you to another place. You've tried all those things, and yet you feel like there's something still missing. Why don't you try Jesus? You've tried to drown away your feelings and emotions, getting to the bottom of the bottle week in and week out, and here you are still today feeling like something's missing. I'm telling you, what's missing in your life is Jesus Christ. What's missing in your life is a total and complete renovation of your house, that that house in your spirit that's saying, God, I'm ready for change. God, I am making a decision today to follow you. And when you do that, when you do that, God's going to change your life forever. Would you stand with me this morning as the music comes? There was a whole lot more I wanted to talk about, and I felt the Lord leading. Let me just read a few verses here today. When we get to heaven, the Bible talks about what that group is going to look like that comes to heaven. The Bible says that the church itself, Romans 5, they will be redeemed. He said, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings. When God saves, he saves people from every nation, every tongue, every culture. It doesn't matter what, what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what your background is or how much money is in your bank account. None of that stuff matters. And it doesn't even matter what you've done before you've come to this point. Jesus said, go out. The, the parable said, and the master said, go out. He said, the good and the bad, invite them to come. doesn't matter what you've done or how horrible you think you've been or or how good you, you think you are, the invitation's for you today. Doesn't matter where you are in life, God is ready to take you further than you thought was even possible to go. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't know, I don't really, you know, things are going well, and I, I got stuff together, and I feel like I'm getting my life together. I'm telling you, God's got more for you. No matter how even good you think it is or how bad you think it is, God has more for you, for your family. And it doesn't matter if you've been in church for 20, 30, 40 years. The beautiful thing about God is that you can never get to the bottom of God. No matter how much you study and how much you learn, there's always something more to get something. He's got a fresh word. Every time you come to him, he's got something new for you. So if you're here today, you're ready for a change in your life. I feel it strongly. I felt it as I was preaching. There's folks here today that you know that the way you've been living is is not right. 
There's folks here today that your marriage is just in turmoil. It's on the rocks, as they say. It's a run aground. It's a mess. You ever just felt like your life was a mess? And it's like, I can't, it's a mess, I can't put it back together. And you just want to give up because it's just so messy. It's like, oh my goodness, I'll never figure this thing out. And what your flesh wants to do is you just want to run. <laughs> you just want to run. Because you don't want to try to fix it, you just want to run away from it. The problem is, you can run as far as you want. When you stop running and you get there, the mess is going to be waiting for you. Because the mess has nothing to do with what's going on in your life. It has to do with you. Until you take care of you, that's the problem. And when you take care of you, when you make the decision to change, it doesn't matter what's going on, how messy, how ugly, how toxic. God, all of a sudden, like I said, the Spirit starts making intercession for you. starts fighting on your behalf. It starts putting the pieces of your life back together. Would you close your eyes right now? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray over every heart, over every mind in this place. God, I pray that your spirit, I pray, God, that your spirit would speak to us. I pray, God, that every heart that knows right now that is ready for change, ready for something different, ready for your power, ready for your direction, I pray, God, you'd move on their heart, move on their mind, move on their spirit. Saints of God, would you pray in the Holy Ghost? If you know how to do it right now, you know how to pray in the Holy Ghost as the Scripture says, I want you to pray in the Spirit for a moment right now. Yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to continue to pray. If you're here today and you know that you are ready to make a change in your life, you know that you're ready for things to be different. Maybe, maybe you've been in church a long time and you, you're ready for a change. You know that you, God's been calling you to a deeper place of prayer. You've been called to a deeper place in the spirit. Or maybe it's your first time here and you don't even really know how to do it and you're a little bit nervous or scared, but but you know something's got to change in your life. I'm going to invite you to step out of your aisle. Step out of the aisle where you're at, and I want you to come down to the front. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. And if you're standing next to someone that is maybe a new, maybe the first time, I want you to invite them in front. Ask them if they want to come down and pray, would you? Because sometimes it's a little intimidating to come down. That's all right. Come on down. Sometimes it's a little bit intimidating to come down on your own, but I've been feeling God moving on a number of people here today, and I want to give you an opportunity to come down for prayer. Come on down for prayer. In Jesus' name, I want you to come. And when you come, I want you to come down here and stand. I'm going to invite, um, go ahead, a few more. Come on down. Come on down. There's time for you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and ask them if they want to come to pray right now. If you're standing by someone, invite them to the front. Invite them to the altar. And when you come, I want you to come all the way down. Come all the way down. 
Come all the way down. That's good. That's good. That's good. I need some ministers. I need some uh, people of God to come. You know how to pray. I want you to come and stand by someone down here. I want you to pray with someone down here. I believe God is going to minister to us right now. If you're here, if you're down here in front, I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to begin to pray to God. I want you to repent before God. I want you to ask God to change your life. Tell him, God, I'm ready for a change. God, I'm ready for whatever's next. I'm ready for the next step. God, I'm ready for that next phase. God, whatever it is you have for me, Jesus, that's what I want in my life. That's what I want in my life. (laughs) Maybe it's been a while since you talked to God. Maybe it's been a while since you've heard his voice. Why don't you reach out for him? Why don't you talk to him right now? Lord, let your will be done today. God, let your spirit be here today. Let us feel your power. Let us feel your glory. Let us know that you're with us today. Yes, Holy Ghost. Yes, Holy Ghost. That's it. Why don't you find someone to pray with right now? Why don't you reach over and pray with someone right now? Lord, that your spirit would be real in their life today. God, that they would see you and hear you and know you. God, that they would make a change in their life today. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. 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 That's it. Encourage someone today. Pray over someone today. Ready to make a change today, God. I'm ready to see your power today, God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. 